This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. And uh, follow along and listen as I read the passage for us. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Shall we pray? Father, we acknowledge this morning your power, your wisdom, your greatness, and your mercy and kindness toward us. You have given us another day, another day to love you, another day to lift our voices in praise and adoration, to seek your face. Lord, we are so grateful for your watch care over us, for seeing us through another week and surrounding us with good things. And Lord, again, we, we praise you for the abundance of your kindness and goodness to us. As always, Lord, we acknowledge those who are going through times of difficulty and having uh, daily problems. Uh, some folks struggling with depression and uh, lack of health. In every case, Lord, you know and you are able to do wonderful and great things. You're a God of, of, of healing. You're a God of compassion. You're a God of, of uh, wisdom. You are able to supply all of our needs. So again, Lord, we thank you for your greatness, and we ask, we call upon you to be wonderfully kind and gracious to these people who are in need. Lord, we again thank you for all of the activity and the busyness of, of church life. We've just read a passage that reminds us of how easy it is to be distracted by things that would... Uh, that would take us away from just being at the feet of Jesus, being anxious and troubled about things that really don't matter. And so we pray as we give thanks for the wonderful men and women who serve in this place, for those who teach, for those who lead, for those who serve on committees, for those who work in quiet ways that never get attention. We ask as we give you thanks for their service that you would also give them a spirit of pacing themselves, of doing their service for you and always keeping you at the, as the focus of their attention and that they would not be prideful of what they are able to accomplish, but they would walk in tune and in step with, with your perfect will. Lord, we are so blessed by the faithful men and women, the elders, the deacons, 
those who serve in faithful ways. We thank you for every one of them. Again, Lord, we thank you for your watch care over us as we seek to be a beacon of your love and grace around the world for our church planters and those who are in our residency program and the missionaries that we send around the world. Lord, we count it a privilege. We don't do it uh, to pat ourselves on the back, but we do it in obedience to the great commission and the command that you have given us to make disciples around the world. And so we thank you, Lord, for our small part in that endeavor. Be with those who are serving. Be with those who are sending. Be with those who are equipping. And we commit ourselves again to serve you. Again, Lord, we thank you for the passage that is before us. We ask that as Pastor Carr comes to share, that you would give him the very words uh, to, to share with us. May they not be just his own words, but the words that you have given. May the Holy Spirit descend upon this place and speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you um, this Lord's Day and the opportunity to be in the Word together. Um, you know, there's things in life that we all struggle with, and those things are usually things that have a tendency to preoccupy our minds. They, in fact, they can distract us from regular life. And distraction in our day and age seems to be kind of a major issue. I know when I want to get my kids' attention at, at the uh, lunch table is I just simply have to text them, and they will all of a sudden uh, respond to whatever it is that I was saying at the table. Um, there's something about the distractions of life, and our lives are filled with them. Can I get an amen to that? Because it's absolutely true. Uh, there's so many things that are buying for our attention. Uh, everything that has been made to uh, make life easier in many ways has made it more complex because we are distracted by all of the noises and sounds around us. You know, what's interesting is that the problem of distraction isn't anything new. Um, we all and always have struggled with this problem. Now, maybe it wasn't cell phones back in the first century, but there's other things that can distract us. Life is filled with distractions, and those distractions truly are taking us away from what is most important. Specifically, I think of the times that we spend privately in the Word or in prayer, and how we'll bow our head or we'll get up early, and our preparation is to spend some quiet time with the Lord, but then all these other things begin to flood through our mind. Our prayers are not really focused on the one to whom we're praying. Our, our prayers really become a place where we're consumed by more of the anxiety and stresses of life. Or how often we sit down to read the word, but our mind drifts as we think about other things that need our attention. This morning, we see a tale of distraction, a tale of two sisters. As we look at this story, we realize that there's a common complaint that arises. But before we get to that complaint, let's look at the story. In verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, 
Jesus entered a village. It's important the setting here that Luke gives because earlier Luke reminded us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Now we as those who are post-resurrection, we know why Jesus is on his way to, the re- to, to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to die. Uh, Jesus is on his way to ultimately give his life for his church. Along this way, he enters a village, this village of Bethany. It's not said there in Luke, but we know where it is because of who is present. We're told in verse 38, it says, And a woman named Martha welcomed him. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are names you're probably familiar with if you've been in the church any length of time. Lazarus is the one whom Jesus would raise from the dead. Many scholars wrestle with why Luke places this story here. Was this on an occasion just prior that he was interacting with this family? We're not told. But one thing is clear, that when Jesus enters this city, Martha, probably being the oldest, welcomes him into her house, it says. I draw your attention to that because what we see very clearly is that Martha understands the importance of hospitality. Martha understands the responsibility of showing love, not just to a stranger, but to one who is claiming to be the Messiah. So you can imagine the level of importance in Martha's mind of this role of hospitality. Hospitality is something that the Scripture again and again calls us to. We see it in places where Lot, where ultimately was willing to put his life on the line to protect the guests that he had in his home there in the story of Genesis. We see in Romans, Paul talk about the fact that the church should ever be seeking to show hospitality. Or how about the fact that as a qualification for elders, there to be hospitable hospitality is essential in scripture and this is an important point as we look at martha what she's desiring to do is a good thing it's a biblical thing it's something that should be done martha's practicing hospitality because ultimately she wants to honor jesus it shows her heart I think too many people read this story and immediately side with Mary over Martha. Or we have a tendency to look down on Martha. But I would draw your attention to the opening verses which stress that Martha was the one who welcomed Jesus. Martha was the one who understood the importance of hospitality. Martha was the one who immediately wanted to honor Christ in her home. And yet the story continues that We move from an invitation to an interaction. And as we begin to look at that interaction, we realize in verse 39 that she had a sister called Mary who noticed the description that Luke gives, sat at the feet and listened to his teachings. This is important because it's giving us the posture of Mary. For many of us, we read this and we think, oh, she sat at his feet because maybe they didn't have any chairs or maybe they didn't use chairs in those days. That's not true at all. Ultimately, Mary, by sitting at the feet of Jesus, is showing humbleness, 
She's so showing submission towards Jesus. In a picture, she's hanging on his every word. And notice what Luke does here as he describes that she ultimately is sitting there listening to the teaching of Jesus. She craves the very words of God. She's hungry for them. She wants to be present where they are. And friends, that's absolutely astounding in the first century. One of the things we miss sometimes is putting ourselves back in that period of time is that women weren't treated so well. Historically, women would not have been one who would have centered around the Word. They would have been busy doing other things. But here, Mary desires the words of Jesus. And notice, Jesus doesn't tell her to leave. Jesus instructs her. He teaches her. One of the things that jumps out to me in this passage is the love that Jesus has for both Martha and Mary. He sees the the desire that they both have to honor him, to love him. They appreciate him. Friends, as I read this, it challenges me in my own walk with the Lord. Do I seek to be hospitable to Jesus? Do I desire to honor him through his word? Do I crave it? Do I long for it? So while Martha was practicing hospitality, Mary equally is seeking to honor Jesus as she sits humbly at his feet, listening and craving the very word of God. Mary equally longs to be near Jesus, just like Martha, who welcomed Jesus into her home. And friends, as we see this move from invitation to interaction, Slowly, there's an irritation. Martha, who is busy with preparation, may I add the word much preparation, in her busyness, and we all know who've hosted guests before, how there is this busyness. In our house, when we have guests, it's amazing all the things that need to be done. All the vacuuming and the the shuffling of papers and and the moving of my books. (laughs) The things that Amanda makes so clear that that we need to prepare the room for our guests. So what Martha's doing isn't wrong. It's natural. You can almost see how Martha is flying from one room to the other. I, I remember as a child wondering if my grandmother ever had a warm meal. She was always up and serving and moving and jumping. And I always began to wonder, did she ever, in all of the years of her life, have a warm meal? Because she seemed to always care for others. Friends, that's a picture of Martha here in her busyness, seeking to be a good host to her guest. But Luke does something here. Luke lets us in on the secret. See, the problem wasn't that Martha was busy. It's that she was distracted. She was cumbered down by serving. See, the one who was distracted, you may have thought, was Mary. (laughs) Mary should have been up and helping Martha. And that's what Martha, we'll, we'll soon see, thinks. And then ultimately, you would think Mary was the one who was distracted by Jesus from serving Jesus. And that would be a whole different sermon, wouldn't it? 
But that's not the situation. Luke lets us in on the secret. The one who is distracted isn't Mary, it's Martha. Martha is distracted by her busyness. By her busyness. See, Martha rushing from room to room to get things done is forgetting the one who's in the room. She's forgetting why she welcomed him there. She's distracted by the doing that she's missing the presence of Jesus. We see this quickly as Martha begins to complain. And who does she complain to? She complains to Jesus, her guest. She says in verse 40, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Can't you hear it? Self-pity. Don't you care about me, Lord? Don't you see my busyness, my rushing from room to room, my doing of all of the things? Don't you care about me, Lord? Oh, the self-pity that captures each and every one of us. Oh, woe is me. Martha's anger is in the injustice she feels. Don't miss that this morning. Martha's angry because of the injustice she feels. She feels that there is an injustice in this house, and it's against her sister. For after all, Mary or Martha feels like that ultimately she's the 20% doing 80% of the work. We've heard that number before. 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. And ultimately, Martha is feeling that she is that one, and so slowly she becomes furious. She cries out to the Lord, Don't you even care about me? Don't you care what she's doing to me? She continues in verse 40. She says, tell her to help me. It's a little bossy, isn't it? If you think about for the moment who she's talking to, she's talking to the creator of the world, and she's telling him how to run the house. Tell her. To help me. See, her self-pity now becomes enraged against her sister through, through ultimately frustration, yes, but anger and embitterment. How often we can become bitter. And we can become resentful of others in the room. What's interesting, though, is rather than listening to the words of Jesus as Mary was, Martha's busy giving words to Jesus. Isn't that true? We begin to tell Jesus how things should be. And we begin telling God how things are supposed to go. How quickly we forget who is sovereign. Friends, how often does the busyness of our lives Keep us from sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let me ask you that again. How often does the busyness of life keep you from sitting at the feet of Jesus? Friends, I want to tell you something. Jesus is just as sweet today, if not more sweet, than when you first met him. 
the beauty of one who would save you and forgive you of your sins. The sweetness of Jesus is even greater today than when you first met him. You know why? Because he still loves you. He still pursues you. He still chooses you. That's an amazing point. That God, who created everything, loves us. How could we not want to sit at his feet? How could we not want to listen to his voice? But the truth of the matter is, many of us were just too busy telling Jesus what should do and how things should be. See, the reality is for each of us how easy it is for our irritations of others to get the best of us. Even getting in the way of our intimacy with Jesus. A friend of mine told me a long time ago, he said, if you're going to be a pastor, you need to learn the secret. If you get angry at people, you need to pray for them. It's hard to pray for people you're angry for. Pray for people, God will change your heart. As a young pastor, I began to do that faithfully. And it hurts sometimes because you kind of mumble the words out. You're trying to bite your tongue as you say their name. But it's God working in and through us because God says, I'm chief. I'm master. Love me. And that's exactly what we see happen in the irritation of Martha towards Mary. From her self-pity, she moves to resentment. And so she begins to tell Jesus what to do. But then Jesus speaks. And friends, I would draw your attention to the way Jesus speaks. Jesus is not sharp. He is not mean. He is not cruel. But Jesus is gentle. He's kind. Look at the term he uses that he describes her by using her name. He says in verse 41, Martha, Martha. It's endearing. It's gentle. Martha, Martha. Even in the midst of her irritation, in the midst of her resentment, in the midst of her being bossy even to the creator of all, the way he responds is gentle. Martha, Martha. Jesus shows compassion and love for a woman that in this moment is actually sinning even against him. And then Jesus begins to explain the situation. In verse 41, it says, You are anxious and troubled by many things. He goes on in verse 41, and in verse 42, he says, But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away. Friends, I would draw your attention to the two words, many and one. That's where a lot of our irritation and resentment comes from is we begin to think that the many things are the one thing. When really Jesus says, no, the one thing that matters is me. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. 
You're allowing things to distract you from me. You're allowing things to ultimately change your attitude and, and your love for me. But there's one thing, Martha. There's one thing that is necessary. And Jesus is saying, it's me. And then he throws in, Mary has chosen that good portion. He's not lifting Mary up and saying, Mary's without sin. He's just simply saying, the one you're irritated with is the one who's choosing at the moment the good portion. Why? Because what she's choosing cannot be taken away. See, the good portion is Jesus. That which cannot be taken away is God's word. Listen to what he says in Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The one thing that lasts forever is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word, and Jesus' Word is essential and necessary. Why is it necessary, this one thing? Because without Jesus, we have no hope. Without Jesus, we're powerless. Without Jesus, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Without Jesus, we're on our way to judgment. See, the one thing that is necessary is relationship and intimacy with Jesus. The idea of sitting at his feet in submission and humbly saying, teach me, help me to love you more. This is exactly the picture of John 15, where Jesus speaks in verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. Listen here. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, see, the, the being in Christ the being in relationship is the one necessary thing. And when we're in Christ, everything else is possible. Even rejection of sin is possible. What? Yeah, that's actually what it says. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who won't let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. Why is that possible? Because of the Holy Spirit. It's possible to be busy and be joyous. It's possible to be, to be serving and to be honoring if our intimacy is right. If we're focused on the necessary thing. But see, that was Martha's issue, wasn't it? She was seeking to serve, but it was her busyness that was keeping her distracted from Jesus. Friends, don't miss this. Martha's misplaced desire became apparent as she was more caught up in entertaining Jesus rather than being near Jesus. How often we find ourselves like Martha, saying we want to spend time with Jesus, but really we only end up seeking to entertain Jesus through our actions and our duties. 
Friends, this short story has a few applications that are really important. The first is that our priority needs to be on seeking nearness to Christ. That needs to be our priority. Now, I'm telling this to the wrong people, but church is important. (laughs) I'm telling it to people who are here in a blizzard. But the world needs to know the gathering of saints is important. Nearness to Jesus matters, but it's not just the gathering of saints. Nearness of Jesus individually in the word and prayer is important. If we're honest, we can allow ourselves to be way too busy to be near Jesus. Honoring Christ is not simply found in our busyness for him. It's not in what we can give Jesus, but it's found in our delighting and receiving from Jesus. That's what nearness and intimacy with Jesus is all about. Martha got too busy serving that she forgot she invited Jesus over. If we're honest, even as Bible-believing evangelicals, we often can get caught up in the busyness of works righteousness. We begin to live out a due religion, forgetting the joy of what it means to rest in Jesus. And friends, I say that because even as your pastor, I know that. We become so duty-bound that we forget the joy of Jesus. Friends, it's not about doing, it's about resting in Jesus. We're reminded by that old hymn where it says, costly and free. Yes, it costs Jesus greatly, but it is absolutely free to sinners. That is salvation. See, the point for all of us is that we all should be serving, but our serving should flow out of nearness to Christ. We are called to serve, but our serving must flow out of intimacy with Jesus. I remember once reading about a man by the name of Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence is uh, a man that literally was a dishwasher for Jesus. And I remember reading his book, Practicing the Presence, and I remember as I read it, I, I was just taken by this man who saw delight in washing dishes not because that's all he was capable of doing. In fact, he was a very smart man, a very abled man, that he saw doing the dishes as a way to be near Jesus because he saw intimacy even in what he was doing. It challenges me to think of the busyness of my life and my finding intimacy with Jesus in the busyness. John Bunyan, that old Puritan who went to jail for his faith, he said this, he says, you can do more than pray after you pray, but you can do no more than pray till you've prayed. Praying is essential. Intimacy with Jesus is essential. We could say the same thing about being in the Word. There's a lot of things we can do after we are in the Word. We can't do anything until we're in the Word. So church, I ask you, what does your serving look like? Does your serving flow out of the nearness to Jesus 
Or are you using it as a way to seek favor with Jesus? Friends, let me say this. I don't think he put this story where he did by accident. I think it's placed here intentionally. He puts this story of Mary and Martha right after the story of the Good Samaritan. You know why? The Good Samaritan had much to say about doing, but this story has much to say about being. Being in the presence of Jesus. If we're honest, we all have a lot of room for improvement here. We've become distracted by the busyness of life and we forget to just sit at the feet of Jesus through word and prayer. We desperately need to remember the words of Christ where he instructed Martha, one thing is necessary. And where he instructed his disciples by saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. May we seek to be intimate with Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we close our Bibles, Lord, as we walk away from a a short text that I'm sure many of us have heard a thousand times, Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of how quickly our busyness can be a distraction, how quickly our busyness can begin to be used to judge others by their inaction, how we can become self-filled with self-pity and resentment. We can become irritable. And Lord, we can even become demanding on you. Lord, I pray that in any way that we seek to fill ourselves up by doing, that we would remember that the key is being in Christ. That we would be reminded of the goodness of the gospel, that we cannot earn favor with God, but that we are already favored because you love us. You sent your son to come and die for us. And so, Lord, may we sit at the feet of Christ and be near his word. May we be hungry and thirsty for more of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God's people said. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.